0: Hi, I'm your
1: host, Lillian. And I'm your host, Fakri, and you are listening to Food Nonfiction. No, I'm not lying to you. I'm a food blogger. That's my full-time job. Mom, I'm doing fine. I can make money as a food blogger. People can make money off of writing blogs these days.
0: That was John. He was lying about his job. He tells his parents, his girlfriend, and his friends that he is a food blogger, but he
1: isn't. You see, people in his profession don't tell anyone what they really do. No one's life is in jeopardy if the truth comes out. He's not an undercover FBI agent, but his work could be compromised if people knew what he really did, because he's an undercover restaurant reviewer.
0: You see, restaurant reviewers from influential places need to stay anonymous so that restaurants can't make sure to give them special treatment. This is to make sure that the reviewers get treated the same as any other customer.
1: According to The New Yorker, Times restaurant reviewer Frank Bruni wore wigs and fake mustaches in order to hide his identity. And when it was known that he was passing his job on to Sam Sifton, foodie websites created and posted images of what Sam might look like in different disguises months before he even began reviewing restaurants.
0: But John isn't just any restaurant reviewer. He is a Michelin Guide restaurant reviewer. Not even his name is released to the public. The world of the Michelin Guide is full of mystery and intrigue. It's a black box into which few get to take a peek. In fact, if
1: you try Googling for books about the Michelin star rating system, or search your local library, or even scour Amazon for books about The Michelin Guide, you will find nothing but a book by Pascal Remy, translated into English as The Inspector Spills the Beans. Try it. I guarantee you'll find nothing else in all of the great internet.
0: Let me tell you how The Great Michelin Guide first began. The Michelin Guide was created and first published in 1900 in France by two brothers who were tire manufacturers. Andre and Edouard Michelin had first started their tire company, the now well-known Michelin brand, in 1889, 11 years before the Michelin Guide. Before that, they had run a rubber factory, but then they realized they could make a better tire. I get the sense that they were industrious fellows who knew where they could find business. Yeah, they were. At the time, the Michelin Guide was an auto guide, as well as a guide to gas stations, hotels, and restaurants. For the michelin brothers giving away the guides would do two things one it would increase the demand for cars thereby also increasing the demand for car tires which remember they were selling and two it would help to wear out the tires of existing car owners as they drove around visiting these recommended hotels and restaurants causing them to buy more tires there were very few cars in france at the time roughly three thousand so getting Existing car owners to buy more tires was very important for their business, and getting more people into cars was also very important. It was in 1926 that the Michelin brothers started charging for the guide and rating the restaurants. In the following years, they expanded and started publishing guides outside of France. That is some really
1: interesting history behind this rating system, but how is it used today? Currently, there are over 27,000 restaurants included in the annual guide. It attempts to give as much information as possible in less than two lines of text, so it uses a lot of symbols. Higher-rated restaurants sometimes get short summaries describing their culinary specialties.
0: The most important symbol is the Michelin star which can be awarded as a single, double, or triple star. Une étoile, très bonne table dans sa catégorie. One star means very good restaurant in its category. Deux étoiles, cuisine excellente. La table mérite un détour. Two star means excellent cooking, worth a detour. Trois étoiles, cuisine remarquable. La table vaut le voyage. Three star means exceptional cuisine, worth a special journey. One thing that surprised me
1: was that service or ambiance are not part of the criteria considered for a star. While they do note the service using a fork and spoon, with one being comfortable and five being luxurious surroundings, I find it odd that quality of the waitstaff is not a specific portion of the star rating system.
0: That could be because the primary focus of the Michelin rating system is not the overall restaurant experience, but the quality and preparation of the food itself. If stars were awarded based on anything else, then the meal could be overshadowed. So, you can't afford a Michelin meal? In
1: 1955, Michelin added a symbol of the Michelin man's face called Bib Gourmand to indicate exceptional good food at moderate prices, with the cost being below a maximum determined by the local economic standards.
0: It's called Bib because that's the nickname for the Michelin man, Bibendum. I'm not sure that's how you pronounce that. One of the most interesting things about the Michelin star rating process is just how mysterious and secretive it is. We spoke with
1: a former server for a two-star Michelin rated restaurant. She has asked to remain anonymous so she can speak more candidly about this topic.
2: Word spreads within the industry of when a Michelin um, shopper is in the city. So you might have a heads up that it is a possibility that you will be Reviewed? A lot of time a Michelin reviewer dines alone. So you typically look for a single diner, someone who seems prepared with a notepad or something to be writing down notes, someone who asks quite a bit of questions on the menu, as well as orders different items, um, such as they'll typically order a cocktail followed by a glass of wine to see the style of which you serve your cocktail, to ask questions on the type of wine that you're serving to see the server's knowledge of the wine. And then typically you can see by the fact that they might be taking pictures and or taking notes during their meal.
0: Like most rating systems, this one is not without its criticisms and controversies. One of the most damning criticisms of the Michelin rating system and guide came from a former France-based inspector, Pascal Remy, who published a book in 2004 called The Inspector Sits Down at the Table, also known as The Inspector Spills the Beans. Remy was fired when he informed his bosses that he intended to write a tell-all book. He later tried unsuccessfully to sue them for wrongful termination. In
1: his book, Remy said the Michelin Guide misrepresented itself and has far fewer inspectors available than it leads on. Michelin claims that inspectors eat at each of the starred restaurants several times a year to make sure the food is consistently good. But according to Remy, there were so many restaurants and so few inspectors that some were only visited every few years. He also said that Michelin Guide was prone to favoritism, with certain top chefs being untouchable and not being allowed to honestly assess them. The Michelin Guide has repeatedly denied these claims.
0: Another common criticism of the Michelin Guide is that it has a bias for French cuisine and dining standards. Restaurants that have a more casual approach to dining don't often get awarded stars, whereas those that have strict dining standards for formality and presentation are more frequently awarded stars. When the first Michelin Guide for New York came out in 2005, Stephen Kerwitz of the New York Times noted that, of the restaurants receiving one or two stars, over half of them could be considered French. Finally, in
1: 2010, Michelin went to Japan. Nowadays, Japan holds the region with the most three-starred restaurants in the world. As of 2012, it had 17 three-star awards. This has led people to argue that the Michelin Guide has lax standards for Japanese cuisine as compared to food from other regions.
0: Probably the biggest criticism, however, comes from the secretive nature of the food inspectors themselves. I mean, who is this person? What makes them the best judge of a particular dish as compared to, let's say, a classically trained chef with years of experience? Why should we trust this random person's opinion over that of a well-established food critic for a local newspaper? What sort of training does a Michelin inspector actually have?
1: One writer for The New Yorker had the rare opportunity to interview a Michelin guide inspector. She was accompanied by the managing director of the guides, certainly there to make sure the interview stayed in safe waters.
0: Her real name was never given. Let's call her M. Em eats at restaurants for lunch and dinner for more than 200 days each year. As an inspector, she has to order as many courses as are offered. Often that's three courses, and she has to finish everything on the plate.
1: It was revealed
0: that Michelin
1: inspectors
0: must have a degree in hospitality,
1: hotel management, or cooking. Em has a master's in food studies from NYU, as well as a sommelier certification. Her job requires traveling, detailed reports, eating, and perhaps surprisingly, a low wage. She also had to go through a Michelin training program in France, where it all started.
0: And that's pretty much all we know about Michelin inspectors. The Michelin Guide's success depends on secrecy, and yet that same secrecy is also criticized.
1: Hearing the criticism of their secrecy, the people behind the Michelin Guide decided to try and improve the view of the Michelin Guide by being a little more open and by doing so through modern-day methods like using social media.
0: In, I believe it was 2009, Michelin launched the website famouslyanonymous.com. The website apparently launched with an interview with inspectors section, which they said would have content by October 5th of that year. But I'm looking at it now in 2015, and there's no such section anymore. In fact, the website really just has pages describing the landscapes of different areas. It's kind of lame, really. Check it out for yourself and tell us what you think of it by writing to feedback at foodnonfiction.com. Again, their website is FamouslyAnonymous.com. They also launched a Twitter account. The Twitter handle is at MichelinGuides. For
1: the Michelin inspectors who send their tweets to an editor, who then posts them. The Twitter account sometimes gives clues about where the reviewers are eating, but it's really very vague and they don't actually want you to find out who their inspectors are or which restaurants they're eating at. They give tweets like, Practice makes perfect, even when it comes to eating spicy foods. And spring is just a few days away, and the American West is a great place to get a taste of the warmer months ahead.
0: I was really surprised when I found out that some of my friends had never heard of the Michelin Guide or Michelin Stars. But then, while doing our research, I learned that they don't have the Michelin Guide everywhere, so it wasn't common knowledge. In fact, they don't even have Michelin Star restaurants in Canada. Because the Michelin Guide doesn't cover Canada. And
1: in the United States, you can only find Michelin Guides in New York City, Chicago, and San Francisco.
0: Regardless of the criticisms that are inevitably out there, getting a Michelin star is still a huge honor.
1: According to the Telegraph, a single star can boost a restaurant's revenue by 20%, and losing that star can cause a restaurant to lose that 20%. And that's just for one star.
0: But not everyone wants to get a Michelin star. Some chefs don't want that sudden boom in business because they were already doing well. And that drastic increase in customers can be overwhelming. I think it's
2: definitely something that most people are excited about. If you're being rated um, within the Michelin system, most restaurants don't even get the opportunity to be rated within the Michelin system. You have to meet a great deal of criteria before they consider you to receive a Michelin star or more. Um, I will say that over the past few years, there's definitely been some backslide within people wanting Michelin to come into their restaurant. Sometimes higher rated Michelin restaurants come with higher expectations and some people don't always want that. Some people just want to be honestly, just be left alone and to do what they do without the pressure or the expectations of a Michelin star.
1: And the pressure from expectations can be hard to deal with, sometimes even deadly.
2: I'm probably going to mispronounce
1: this entire sentence, so bear with me. Bernard Lousseau was the owner of La Côté d'Or, a restaurant in France. He had started off working at the restaurant in 1975 and then bought it in 1982. By 1991, he had accomplished his life's goal of running a three Michelin-starred restaurant. In 2002, there were rumors that Lousseau would lose one of his beloved stars. France was being swept by the fusion foods trend, and Lousseau went from being a chef at the forefront of cooking to a chef who wasn't. In 2003, Bernard Lousseau shot himself in the mouth.
0: Getting a Michelin star is a gift and a curse. It comes with great pride and prestige, but it also comes with great pressure. Want to know
1: how many three-starred restaurants there are? What about two-stars, and what about one-starred restaurants? Well, right now in the U.S., there are 12 three-starred, 18 two-starred, and 107 one-starred restaurants. Right now in France, there are 25 three-starred, 79 two-starred, and 499 one-starred restaurants. We should note here that the Michelin Guide covers all of France, but only three cities in the U.S. They also cover a bunch of other cities, but we won't list them here.
0: This is the digital age. It's sort of strange that these large Michelin Guidebooks are still floating around when there are so many websites that rate food like Yelp or Urban Spoon? Um,
2: You know, it's definitely becoming more prevalent. Zagat itself is. There's quite a few others, and it's sometimes based city by city. But I would say that Michelin star is typically the highest rated system that most restaurants adhere to.
0: So we thought it
1: would be important to look at the numbers. The Financial Times reported that the Michelin Guide business loses millions of dollars a year. But the presence of the Michelin Guide in a country makes its citizens 3% more likely to purchase tires from the Michelin brand. So for now, the book stays.
0: And will the Michelin Guide stay in book form as a physical book? Probably not. But the company has yet to figure out a good way to make that transfer to the free-for-all world of the internet. Listen to us next week. And if you have any recipes comments on today's episode email us at feedback at food nonfiction.com we love hearing from you even if it's just to say hi thank you thanks for listening to us today we hope you'll join
1: us next week when we'll be discussing
0: we don't know yet
1: (laughs) (laughs) when we'll be discussing either mud eating mud
0: If you have any ideas for what you'd like to hear discussed on food nonfiction, just email us again at feedback at and we will definitely take your ideas into mind.